How many of you love Christmas, huh? I mean, that's a no-brainer. I mean, Christmas is my favorite time of year. And I know if I went through this crowd, we most of us would say it's our favorite time of year. And, you know, there's everything I love about Christmas. You know, I, I love the, the spirit that we have around here at Christmas time because of, you know, the COC and everything's just buzzing. And, and I, I, I love all of that. I, I, love this, I love this season for so many reasons. I mean, the, the, the trappings. I love all of the, like the trees and the, and the lights and the smells of Christmas. How many love that popcorn smell when you came in? Huh? That's great. Feel like we're right in a theater here. But I love the smells of Christmas. Usually it's something baking. I love the movies of Christmas. We just saw some right there. But I love, there's something about Christmas movies. Hollywood gets a lot of things wrong. But when it comes to Christmas, they usually get it pretty good. And that's kind of a neat thing because Christmas movies... They're just kind of like a black hole in outer space. You know, I mean, it's, it just sucks everything in. You can be at your house and a Christmas movie can be on the TV and you're just busy. And as you go by and you see it, you want to sit down and watch it. You'll watch a Christmas movie 50 times and won't even think about it. You won't even complain about it, you know. I, I, I know my kids, when they were growing up, they would never watch a black and white movie. Is anybody, your kids the same? If it was black and white, it was like the, the, oh, the dark ages. They aren't going to watch it. But when it came to Christmas, they would watch It's a Wonderful Life. They would watch Miracle on 34th Street, A Christmas Carol, all of those black and white movies. Why? Why did it all change? Well, I, I don't know. There's just something about Christmas movies that suck us in, that just draw us into their orbit. And so we, what we thought we might do this month is uh, because, well, first we thought it might be fun. And then secondly, we, we, we ultimately thought that it would be meaningful for all of us to look at some of the popular Christmas movies. And then as we look at these movies, extract kind of a nugget of truth from these movies and, and, and then marry that truth with a nugget of truth in, in a spiritual foundation that we have. And then together we would have a truth that would make this season so much more exciting, that would make this season so much more valuable as we prepare ourselves for Christmas. And so that's really what we're about in this series. We're, we're going to kind of look at Christmas through the lens of Hollywood. Now, some of you have already gotten that going. You know, you've been showing Christmas movies at your house already. How many of you have already seen a Christmas movie? Look at this. Look at this. I mean, our family, we went uh, and watched uh, uh, The Grinch. We went, we, we, yeah, we went, the new, oh, hallelujah. Man, Jericho March is about to break out over here. Man, that's the first time I've ever heard them say anything. But anyway, they won't say amen, but boy, they'll go after the Grinch. But uh, no, you guys are great. Thanks, Tony. But the Grinch was awesome. The whole new one out at the, out at the theaters and, and all of that. So we've kind of got, everybody has their favorite Christmas movie, no doubt. Now, one of the more contemporary favorites that came out several years ago, but it's still a favorite, is Home Alone. Home Alone's a great movie, yeah. In fact, Pastor Arian told me that Home Alone is the largest grossing live action comedy at Christmas 
of all time. Now, I don't know. You can fact check that or it's true. If it's not, it's fake news. Pastor Arian, he's been known for that. So anyway, how many of you have seen Home Alone? Look at that. Wow. And if you haven't seen it, don't worry. This is a no-judge zone. We're with you, okay? You'll want to watch it later. But Home Alone, just to kind of give you a little bit of setup. Home Alone is about a kid. Uh, Macaulay Culkin plays this kid in the movie, and he's about eight years old, and his family goes on Christmas vacation. The only problem is they forgot him. <laughs> they had so many people going, they forgot him. And he's stuck home alone, hence the title. And it's an odd dynamic, this eight-year-old kid at home alone. I mean, he's panicked. You know, he, he's, he's a bit desperate. You know, he's desperate because he's at home alone without all the sustaining forces of his life. Like his mom and dad, they're not there. And, and his siblings, who he really has trouble with most of the time. But boy, he wishes they were with him at that time. And, and then to add to it, in the neighborhood, there are some thieves that are casing the houses. And they see his house. And they, they kind of suspect he's by himself. So, you know, there's, there's all that goes on with that that he's feeling like he might be robbed and he might be losing everything that has value and meaning to his family. So he's sitting there and he's having to make all these choices. He's got a choice to make. This kid is totally desperate against the forces against him that will rob him of everything that is important and everything that is val valuable. What a picture we see here because let's face it, all of us tend to get a little bit desperate at Christmas time, if we'll admit it. There's all kinds of desperate things that we find ourselves doing at Christmas time that we would do no other time. Black Friday. I mean, come on. You actually do that. I mean, 4.30 in the morning to get a TV $50 off. Listen, folks, you could probably get the same thing at noon. You don't have to do all of that. Fighting, clawing, you know, going for that Xbox 15 or whatever number the Xbox is now, and you're elbowing somebody in the teeth, you know, knocking their teeth out to get that last thing. That's it. Listen, let me just say this. You know, if your Christmas shopping experience involves a taser, You've probably gone too far, okay? Just want you to know that. It's not a good thing. But you're desperate, right? You're desperate. You gotta have that TV. You gotta have that thing. And so you do things you wouldn't normally do. We all get desperate. We get desperate with our spending at Christmas time. I mean, we'll spend money at Christmas that we don't have to convince people that we love them. And that's scary. That's really scary. That's desperate, isn't it? And Christmas, for some reason, draws that out of us, the desperation. And one of the reasons is, I believe that Christmas draws out some extreme things, just by nature. Now, some of that's good, like extreme kindness. We see that at Christmas. That's a good thing. You know, we, we see extreme joy at Christmas. You know, we see extreme generosity. All of those things are great things. But then there's the other side of extremes as well. There's a lot of extreme bad stuff that goes on at Christmas as well. There's extreme anxiety. And that comes from planning and preparing and all of that stuff. There's extreme loneliness at Christmas. We find out that depression, clinical depression, we see that it is the highest 
at Christmas season than any other time of the year. So there's so much anxiety that goes on. There's extreme loneliness at Christmas. You'll, you'll sit, so many of us, even in this room, we'll sit at our Christmas dinner table and there'll be an empty seat where someone was sitting there last year and this year they're gone, they're no longer with us. And that will cause some extreme grief in our lives. And some of you are single in this room and you'll go to the mall and you'll see families and you'll see couples and, and you'll have some extreme feelings during all of that. And you'll feel like, maybe some of you, that I'm the only person on this planet that will never find that right someone that's going to make my life complete. And your loneliness gets jacked out of whack. And, 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 and it gets way up. And you start having all of these extreme feelings and thoughts that you would never have. And where there's extremes, listen, there tends to be a lot of desperation. And so what we're about here today and what we're about in this series is to, to give you a way to take the desperation part that we feel at Christmas time and to convert that into a declaration that you are going to be prepared this Christmas season and you're not going to be distracted by all of the stuff that makes you desperate. A declaration that this year it's going to be different. Things are going to change. Now, there's a great passage in the book of Luke that deals with this very issue. And it kind of runs parallel with what we're talking about with Home Alone here today. And, and, and its theme really is perfect for what we're talking about here. It's in Luke chapter 10. starts with verse 38. It's not a Christmas passage, but it, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a passage I think you'll see what I'm talking about that's very important to us in our subject here. We're talking today about identifying arguably the greatest challenge that all of us are going to face and do face year after year during the Christmas season. And then we're going to talk about what we can do to counter that challenge and to allow Christmas to shape and to change us at its very core. Okay, are you with me here today? How many are with me? All right, good, good. I'll know you're not when you start walking out. Don't do that, okay? Here we go. We're going to start with verse 38. It's on the screen. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary. Now look, we have three characters, Jesus, Martha, Mary. They, and Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But it says Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. All the invitations, think about it, she had to send out. All, all the shopping lists that she had to take care of. She was distracted, right? She came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. He's saying here, frankly, you're desperate, Martha, but few things are needed. Look at this. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Jesus said only one. Did you catch that? And the goal here of this season, this season that many churches celebrate as Advent, it starts four weeks before Christmas to prepare for the coming of the Lord to, for, for Christmas. We're in this season right now. And the goal of this time is to cut through the desperation 
and to figure out what is that one thing that Jesus is talking about. What's the most important thing? What is the main thing that we need to be accomplishing during this Christmas season? And, and then pursue that one thing. Because that's what Jesus says is most important. And, and, and to pursue it without getting lost in all of the lesser things that tend to get us off track. Which brings us now to the big challenge. The big challenge that all of us face and will face this Christmas season. And that is distraction. We understand distraction, don't we? It's a big deal in our culture. We live lives of distraction, but especially at Christmas time. But back to our story with Mary and Martha. We have two key players in this story. And they're sisters, Mary and Martha. And in this story, Martha is not at all happy with Mary. She's totally frustrated. And we read about Martha, who's so busy. She, she's doing so much that she's missing out. And then she gets this attitude toward the people that won't get bored, on board with her for what she's trying to do. And then there's this other sister, Mary. And the picture of Mary is totally different. Polar opposite of Martha. You see, Mary here that's totally laid back. I mean, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's lighting candles. It's a kumbaya moment. She's got a little incense. It's beautiful. It's like the 70s all over again, see? And what's crazy here is how different these two sisters are. Now, how many of you here today can relate to Mary? How many of you can relate to Mary? Lift your hand. Go ahead. There you go. That's so nice. Boy, you guys, good for you, man. I'm telling you. You don't see that much, and there's probably about 50 more. But you're just afraid to lay, raise your hand because you're so laid back. You don't want anybody to see or care. You know, that's how it is. And I just say to those of you that are like Mary, God bless you. It's awesome. I wish I could be like that. I wish I could just sit at Jesus' feet. I wish I could just be feel great about all that goes on and, and happens in the relationship. You know, it's, I just wish I could be like you. But the truth is, unfortunately, most of us are more like Martha. I'm more like Martha. But the bad thing here is, in this story, Martha is the bad example. See, it's not a good thing in this story to be Martha. And it's weird because we see Jesus who's giving the pat on the back, the affirmation to the person who's doing nothing. And to the person who's working hard and doing so much, he's giving correction. See, and here she is trying to do everything, trying to prepare. Look at verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. And I get that. Because if we're going to be honest, most of us are a little bit like that. We're driven, right? We're driven to make things good. We're driven to move the ball down the field. That's what we're taught. It's, it's the American culture. Get, come on, make, make everything the best it can be. And we get so focused. We're planned out. We've got this thing all set. And, and, and we're working hard. And we feel like everybody should know that and get in line behind us and, and help us and, and support it, you know? And, and, and the thing is, the good news of that is that it can bring great success in a person's life, and it can bring successes. Uh, uh, but unfortunately, if you're not careful, if you're like that with that tunnel vision, you can get distracted by little things along the way. 
and miss out on the most important things that you're trying to accomplish. We're so driven that, that we just don't really pay attention to what's the most important thing. And in our planning, believe it or not, we actually get distracted and we forget the main thing and keep it the main thing. When I was a kid, we used to have Sunday night service at our church and my dad was the pastor. And you know, those Sunday night services would go many times very, very late. And then my parents as the pastors, they had to shake hands with every single person in the church. They were the last ones to leave. Well, so many times, I was about eight years old. I was like Kevin, and I, you know, I, I, I would, it would wear on, so I'd be asleep in the back pew waiting for my parents. I'd fall out, you know. And uh, so there I am, you know, and all of a sudden one night, I wake up, and the church is pitch black, and everybody's gone, and the doors are locked. You ever been in an empty church at night when it's dark? It is the scariest thing in the world. I don't understand it, but it's scary. And I'm frantic, you know, I'm just a little kid. And thank the Lord that somewhere along the line, my parents realized what they had done. And they came back and picked me up. You know, at 16, they didn't come back. But at, 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 at 8, they did. And it was, it was good. It was traumatic, I'll tell you. I remember it to this day. The main thing, sometimes we get so distracted, we miss the main thing. Let's go back to our story. You know, I know we've been rough on Martha here so far, and for good reason. But let me defend her here for a second, okay? I mean, I want to defend her because the scripture really is very clear about Martha. Martha was the one that opened her home and invited Jesus to come in. Did you see that? And we contrast that with Christmas Day. What happened Christmas Day? There was no room in the inn or anywhere else for Jesus. So here Martha is doing something right. She's opening her home. And look, this is her home. She's paying the mortgage. Not Mary, you know. She's taking care of business. Without her doing all of this, without her setting all of this up, Mary would never have had the opportunity or venue to set at Jesus' feet and have all of this take place, right? The practical truth out of that is this. If you're just going to be sitting and that's it, even sitting at the feet of Jesus and that's all you do, eventually you're going to be sitting in the unemployment line, right? It's just the way it is. You can't go to work and ignore your emails from your boss and say, listen, I'm lighting candles and I'm having a great time. I'm just sitting at the feet of Jesus, praying, doing all of that, you know. At some point it's going to come back. And don't you think Jesus knows that when he's giving these admonitions out? He knows all that. There's a tension that we see in this passage there's a tension between doing nothing and doing everything. And it's all about, I think, not losing sight of the one thing, the main thing. And that main thing is the presence of Jesus. That's the main thing that Jesus is talking about. The main thing that we need in this season, the presence of Jesus. That's what this passage is all about. It's about the living, active presence. See, sometimes we can be so into our planning and, and, and that we forget the presence of Jesus. And don't deceive yourself. 
Listen, all of the planning that you do, all of the planning that we're going to do to make this the perfect, the greatest, perfectest, that's a word, perfectest Christmas ever. All the work that we're going to do to do that. In doing all of that, you might be ignoring the very presence that you are trying to proclaim. Mm. Verse 41. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. In other words, you're desperate, Martha. But few things are needed. In fact, only one, he says. What's the one thing? It's his presence. What's Jesus saying to us then out of this? If in 2018, what would this transpose? How would this translate to us? I believe Jesus would be saying, I know in this holiday season, you all are going to get worked up about your invitations, about your parties, your Christmas cards, your thank you cards. You know, the concerts you're going to go to, the recitals. You got to call that person. You got to match up your list with everything you got there on Pinterest, you know, and make sure you get that. And that's all fine and good. But there's got to be a point where we draw the line and say, I'm not going to let anything that will ultimately mean nothing get in the way of me experiencing what truly means everything. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to let that happen. Which now brings us to an important question. And that question is, I know i got all these distractions around me. I see how destructive that can be. But what can I do? How do I curb these distractions? How do I keep my focus on the one thing? Well, I think we can learn a lesson from Mary in this story. And what is that? Mary chose presence over everything else. Not presence with a T, but presence with a C the presence of Jesus. It's all about his presence. See, maybe as Christians, listen, just maybe, maybe we're not so often destroyed by bad stuff and doing and engaging in the bad things of life. No. But maybe we're destroyed many times by simply being distracted by the good things at the expense of the ultimate things, of the best the beauty, though, is that like Mary, we have the ability and the power to choose. We can choose. And that's what this Advent season is all about, this lead up to Christmas. We have choice, the power to choose. Are we just going to have another year pass by with no change? Or are we going to choose to step it up? Are we going to choose to prepare to do the right thing this season that will ultimately change us, not only for 2018, but will change us forever. Are we going to prepare to do that? Look at verse 41 of, of Luke chapter 10. Here's what it says. Mary has chosen. I love that word chosen. She has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken for her from her. Do you see this? You know, you know, we can control a whole lot more than we probably think this Christmas season. You can. We all can. See, culture is going to tell us of its expectation, you know, of what we should be doing to make this Christmas perfect. And you can choose whether you're going to surrender to that in culture or whether you're going to do it a different way, whether you're going to do it a right way. See, 
I can't choose criticism in my life. I can't choose if someone's going to criticize me. But I can choose how I respond to it, right? I can't choose the commercials that are going to be on during the holiday season. I can't. That are going to try to get me to buy everything and to do everything. I can't control those, but I can control how I respond to them. And maybe this will be a year that we make that declaration I talked about before. That we're going to get over ourselves. That we're going to get over this cultural idea of what's expected at Christmas. To have the perfect Christmas. And we can choose to control what we do. And control how we celebrate. And control what it's all about. See, some of us, we need to have a pretty frank conversation with our credit cards, don't we? Yeah, we do. I mean, we do. We need to say to them, you're not going to control me this year. You're going back in my wallet. I'm going to control you. I know that gets uncomfortable, you know. And, and honestly, Mary chose what is better. And I don't really want to, to pry too much. But I know, as I said earlier, that many of us are spending money that we don't have to tell people how much we love them. And not only is that desperate, that's, that's really kind of stupid, isn't it? We'll be living with that all year long. And we'll do that to make sure that everybody's happy. And then guess what? We will ignore the presence. The real presence. The presence of Jesus. You know, we might just be better off walking into our houses, setting everybody down, and saying, look guys, this year no stuff. This year, I'm just going to take the opportunity to spend time with every one of you like I haven't done before. Wouldn't that be great? Some of you look at me like, you are nuts. You can do that on everybody. Everybody will get, be okay with that except for your wife. Now, I think there's a scripture somewhere that says you have to buy your wife a gift. But everybody else, it's somewhere on the track. But you get what I'm saying here, don't you? You see it. You know where I'm going with this. Mary chose what is better. I always feel so bad at Christmas, Brad. Boy, I eat. I go to the parties and I eat. I'm so out of shape. I eat and I eat. Let me say something. Listen, you don't have to eat everything at Christmas. You don't. I had a trainer down here that was applauding. You see how that works? But you don't. I mean, we did that at Thanksgiving. We don't need to do it again. You can choose. You can make a choice. Mary chose. You know, there's a situation that so many of us in this room are going to be facing this Christmas season. And, and you know, you're, you're going to be sitting around a table. You're going to be sitting in a room with a lot of family members that you may not even get along with. But you know what? You can do this year. You can choose to forgive. You can choose forgiveness this year and make it all different. Because when you choose forgiveness, guess what? You've chosen presence. You've chosen the presence of Jesus. Did you know there's going to be situations at Christmas where you can put your foot down and you can get your way, you can uh, stress your authority and, and, and you're going to get it your way. You can do that. Or you can surrender and submit. And guess what? When you surrender, you've chosen the presence of God. You don't have to cave into the chaos craziness of Christmas, cards and diets, bad relationships and all that stuff. You, you, you don't have to be pulled into the vortex of Martha's way of living. No, you can choose and you can choose right now. You can choose. It's a choice. What am I going to be distracted by? See, if you're not careful, 
you'll be deceived. And you'll do like so many do in America, and you will strive for perfection. And in your striving for perfection, you'll abandon the presence. And that's the point of the whole story. It's the tension between not doing a whole lot and then doing everything. See, neither of them, one of them are wrong. No. The point Jesus is making here is he's saying, don't forget the presence. See, that's what we're called to declare during this Advent season, this time that leads up to Christmas. You don't have to strive for perfection, folks. Let me let you off the hook right now. You don't have to do that. What you have to strive for is presence. The one thing that's needed. And if you have that one thing, it means everything. But without that one thing, guess what? You've got nothing. And I don't care how many plans you've made and how many perfectly planned parties and things you've got. You've got nothing. So what's it going to be this Advent, huh? What's it going to be for us? My prayer is that all of us, the Dream City Church family, we will choose presence. And we won't get caught up so much in the world's view of a perfect Christmas that we would abandon the presence when it's standing right in our living room, right in front of us. I want his presence this Christmas season. How about you? I want to thank you for watching this message today. I believe that right now as you're watching this video, God is speaking to your heart. God is speaking to you about a new life, a new future, a new hope. The Bible says that the way we connect with God is we actually call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says, he who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's almost like taking your cell phone out and making a call to somebody that you really love. You're making the call. And I want to encourage you to make the call to God today. And as you do, he promises to forgive your sins, to adopt you into his family, and to give you a hope and a future. So today, if you are ready to call upon the name of the Lord, would you just close your eyes right now and just sincerely say these words to God. Dear Heavenly Father, just say those words. I ask you today to be the leader of my life, I ask you to forgive me for my sins and adopt me into your family. I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. So I give you my heart today. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says if you prayed that prayer, he heard you and he forgave you. So I want to say to you, welcome to the family of God. Go find a great church to be involved in. If you don't have one, come join us here at Dream City, and we'll help you live out the Christian faith and grow closer to Jesus. God bless you all.